Hey everyone, welcome to Legit Cool, my podcast talking all things movies. I recap, review, rank, theorize, speculate, share all my thoughts on movies and TV series. Today I'm going to be continuing the Hawkeye series with episode 5, the latest in the canon. This is a full spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the episode, make sure you just press pause right now. Just press it. Go on. Press pause. Go watch the episode and then come back to this. I'm going to be here forever, so I'm not going to go away. Come back and listen to this. It's honestly worth it, especially if you're heavily invested into the MCU. I've got a lot to talk about on this episode, so let's just get straight into it. So at the end of episode four, we meet Elena on the rooftop as she attacks Clint while Kate is fighting Maya in Maya's apartment during her attempt to find the mysterious watch. And by the way, we still haven't got anything about this mysterious watch. Um, I think there's a little bit of a hint on moving forward on what the mysterious watch is when Clint is having another phone call conversation with his wife, Laura, but it's not really much at all. And the episode finishes with Clint saying to Kate, some really harsh words, someone has hired a Black Widow assassin. This has gotten very real very quickly. And then Kate apologizes for messing up and, pre and promises to do better next time. To which Clint says, go home, Kate. Go home, Kate. <laughs> You're a nine-year-old. Go home. <laughs> um, very strong ending with episode four. Then we get into episode five to which it we do another flashback actually and i'm seeing a pattern in the series um they're doing a flashback every odd episode so in episode one we had a flashback with uh kate bishop in 2012 when she's probably a nine-year-old <laughs> in that scene and uh that was a flashback on the battle of new york and then in episode two we have a back-to-back -back continuation between two and three and then in episode three we get a flashback of maya and getting into episode four it's a back-to-back -back continuation and then in episode five which is today we have a flashback of yelena um so i'm loving this this uh pattern this consistent pattern that we see where continuation to flashback and this flashback with yelena is probably my favorite in the whole series here we jump to 2018, which is the year of Infinity War. It's, we're unsure on how, uh, let's say, um, we're unsure on where exactly in Infinity War, but I suppose when she gets snapped and then lifted back into reality, it's probably like the day that Infinity War is happening. Um, oh, probably it is the day, duh. <laughs> um, so actually this this uh snap and the blip back to reality is by far the best perspective we've had on people getting blipped back into reality it's incredible um the way uh the way that whole scene is you know when she's in the bathroom and she she goes to wash her hands and then her hands start to disintegrate and then re-atomize back into reality as the blip 
I was like, holy crap, you see everything around her change. We're seeing it from the perspective of them and how much time that they've lost, which turns out to be five seconds. Um, she's only lost five seconds of her uh, existence. I wonder what happens in that five seconds. Maybe it's just a blackout or something, like if you got knocked out. Um, she's seeing everything come, like change around. I, I, I thought that perspective was was crazy i actually got mad chills and i was kind of terrified by seeing that part it's really really incredible and then of course like she comes into the scene um i'm actually jumping quite a bit here i haven't even covered what happens right at the beginning of the of the flashback but um she comes back into the room that she was in prior to going to the bathroom which was her conversation she was having with that ex black widow slash still an assassin because she's crazy rich and she's doing all these assassination jobs still but she's not under that black widow spell that she that all the previous black widows had so she comes back into the scene and then there's uh you know there's quite a bit of dialogue that happens between um this uh ex black widow i can't even remember her name um the ex black widow and Yelena, so and trying to fill her in with five years. So who knows how much time is actually passing between her coming back into the room and having that conversation with her. That conversation could have been like two hours or it could have been like a couple of minutes. Like, you know, she might have just done a bunch of like um, elevator pitch points or something <laughs> really quick. Um, but then, of course, we end that scene with Yelena saying, I need to go find my sister. I need to find Natasha. I need to connect with her. Can you help me? Can you help me? And then that intro scene finishes. It cuts, goes straight into the Marvel Studios logo. And I'm never going to get sick of that logo intro. It's always like fire, fire in my soul. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally the anthem for all of us nerds. And fans of the Marvel Media Universe. Anyway, I, I actually just kind of jumped through at that whole intro. Um, just quickly go back to the beginning of the intro when they're running on the roof um, and getting into the house. Um, I love the way it's all it's all staged. You know, they go from the top going down the staircase and then down into the hallway, and then it it kind of reminds me of that Black Widow scene. Actually, most of the Black Widow hand to hand combat scenes where it's in the hallway. Oh no, sorry, uh, Kate, uh, okay, <laughs> Elena and her sister, Natasha, when they're having that fight in the the apartment in Budapest, uh, in Black Widow, it's that whole hand-to-hand -hand scene reminds me of, like, Born Identity or Born Supremacy, um, very much like the, the camera work is inside the action, and they kind of repeat this process here. It's not a very long fight sequence at all, because they really cut to the point, because always it's like an intro. They're not going to have to do a massive uh, fight scene, otherwise it's going to turn into a Yelena movie. Um, so it does that very quick, and then she gets out the antidote to um, remove that brainwashing power that happened to all Black Widows, and it turns out she's not even brainwashed anymore. Um, they don't actually explain why she isn't brainwashed anymore. They just they just kind of run through that scene. But because the, the point of it is to really show us that Elena has been on this mission since uh, she said goodbye to Natasha. And um, but the interesting thing is that she doesn't 
Uh, the time between the time that she says goodbye to Natasha and leading in here, I'm assuming it is it is the year of 2018 at the end of Black Widow, um, because I'm just going by the haircut uh, or the hairstyle that Natasha has at the end of Black Widow. You know, she has the blonde uh, short bob cut. She's got the vest that she was given to by Yelena, and in Infinity War, that's how we meet. Uh, Natasha with um, <clears throat> Steve Rogers. So I can't imagine that there's a big time difference between that moment at the end of Black Widow <clears throat> and getting into this intro scene um, in 2018 with Yelena. So the, the time must be very, very close to each other. Um, and then, of course, we get to that, that part where she gets blipped and then gets, oh, sorry, not blipped, she gets snapped and then blipped into reality and blah, blah, blah. End of scene. Then we go through the Marvel logo, and then now we're into sort of the meat of the episode. So really, really strong intro. We get into the meat of the episode where we first meet, uh, we meet, uh, not Mayan Kazi. We meet Mayan Kazi. Yeah, we, we meet um, uh, Mayan Kazi. Uh, sorry, actually before that, it's um, Kate and her mom. So Kate, Kate goes home after that scene on the rooftop. She goes home and she's all devastated and she doesn't really know what to say. She's like kind of lost for words. She's trembling over her words. Um, very emotional when she's explaining to her mom that she's just been through a lot. And and I, I think the thing the big thing that's most devastating to her is that she's lost her or seemingly lost her relationship with Clint Barton because she was convinced or you know she felt that she was a strong partner with her. And so she's completely traumatized and she just doesn't really know how to deal with it. Alongside the physical side of um, uh, trauma, right? Like she's she's very young and it is a bit of a reminder that she's still a teenager or she's 22 years old, but she's very youthful in her experience and her perspective in life but yet she still holds true to this kind of heroism that is growing in her. So I love the fact that she's emotionally traumatic and she's also probably physically traumatic as well. And she has this um, exchange with her mom. The weird thing here is that the mom looks like she's like, it's so obvious that she's hiding something. She's completely sus about everything right now. And Verifar Miga is, you know, she couldn't be the like any more perfect for casting into this role to play this suspicious, um, spy-like, deceptive, caring at the same time, caring mom because she's hiding something here, right? She's 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 got something going on, and she's trying not to give it away to her daughter, and her daughter's like completely oblivious to it. Her daughter's just like, oh, this is what's happening. Um, um me and clint got attacked and you know um this is our current state of mission and blah blah, blah. And, and and her mom's like oh no oh, that's that's yeah that's very sad and <laughs> i'm like so not sold on it but but i just love how verify media is able to balance that um sinister or well, not sinister but that suspicious um spy-like person while also still being a caring mom she's just a great actress that's 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 all really nothing to it and then from there we go to now we go to 
to Maya and Kazi. And this scene is pretty short, but it's really just about Maya trying to figure out that what's really going on here. You know, the fact that there was somebody else that attacked Clint on the roof shows her that there's something bigger going on. And for sure, there's something bigger going on. But um, And it's right under her nose and she, she can't quite put to put the pieces together but she's slowly figuring it out um you know from from that point we get to um uh, sorry we get to yelena and kate oh this is actually one of my favorite scenes um yeah probably one of my favorite scenes if not the most favorite scene in maybe the entire series i just love this scene when yelena meets kate for the first time it actually reminds me of a Tarantino movie. The scene that I'm thinking about for a Tarantino movie is probably the um, the Inglorious Bastards scene, you know, where Chris, Christoph Waltz meets, well, you know, he plays the Nazi general and he goes into that house where there's that French guy um, and he's he's hiding Jews underneath his floorboards. You, you know what I'm talking about if you've seen Inglorious Bastards, but it... It, this whole scene between Yelena and Kate reminded me of that Tarantino style of filmmaking where there's an enemy entering and that's already entered your safe place, you know, your home, your your living room or whatever it is. Um, and that acting and the enemy is kind of acting as if we're friends, giving you this false sense of security. And Yelena is just oh, for Lawrence, Florence Pugh is the person who plays Yelena and she is incredible. Like, I really fell in love with her character in Black Widow, but in this scene particularly, we're taken, we're reminded of how much um, talent Florence Pugh has, but we're also reminded a lot about um, the likability and the lovability of Yelena as a character, but it's amplified a lot more through the way they put the script together. The dialogue, the back and forth between Yelena and Kate is just pitch perfect. It's everything that i didn't know i want <laughs> in this scene or especially in the yelena character she's she's amazing she's light she's funny she's very magnetic but she's also menacing she has this undertone of villainism um she has this undertone of a huge threat that kind of looms in the dark corner um and i'm and i'm scared to see like her bad side i'm scared to see like the true evil side the true sinister side if they decide to take the character that way i wouldn't be surprised but you know there's it's highly likely that whatever we see whatever we saw in this scene between Lena and kate is a foreshadowing of their future potential future partnership you know this is like the thing that i thought about immediately was this is like our new uh hawkeye and Black Widow partnership, <laughs> you know, sort of that replacement of Clint Biden and Natasha Romanoff. But it's, it's such a great scene. The dialogue is awesome. And um, what was very powerful about Kate in this scene is her ability to hold true to what she believes in when it comes to the values that Clint inspired her with at such a, at such a really young age. Um, you know going back to the to the episode one um it really shows that a lot here um especially when she's being pressured by yelena when yelena challenges her on that belief that belief of um <clears throat> you know the the leadership and the values that the avengers have because 
when Kay says um, Hawkeye was an Avenger and Yelena responds um, and challenges her by saying, what does that even mean? Like, what does the Avengers mean? And she's, she makes a good point here. Um, she really does challenge this uh, ideology of the Avengers being heroes um, w- without castrating or, you know, pontificating about the fact that the Avengers perhaps are probably over glamorized or or worshipped far too much maybe in the public eye i i don't think she's trying to say that she's maybe alluding to that but i think it's it's definitely coming from a point of grief and hurt right she's lost her sister and she makes a point of her sister is the one that saved the world not clint because when when kate says um but Clint saved the world and then she responds what a great response by the way she responds by saying no my sister Natasha Romanoff saved the world and that's very hard-hitting and especially for Kate who is under the belief that Clint saved the world which she's not wrong like Clint did save the world he's a part of it but uh Natasha probably has a, a has a much like much more of an impact on saving the world because she sacrificed herself but it's not like you know Clint. Um, uh, it's not like Clint was wanting to go against that. Um, Clint very much wanted to be the one sacrificing his life because of what he had done in that five years. So a great scene. I was super impressed. Probably one of the best dialogue scenes in the entire film, uh, entire film, and the entire series. Um, you know, it's definitely up there be- between this and. The dialogue scenes between uh, Kate and Clint, because those are also awesome. All those scenes they have together. Um, and then from here we go into the grills and Clint scene. There's not much happened here, but it's I, I love how the series uh, goes out of its way to utilize all the characters that are introduced, whether small or big characters. Um, any of these small characters, like grills here, you know, when they're having the scene in Grills' apartment it's never wasted not these characters are not wasted they have things to do with the story and i love that i really really love that they're, they're able to integrate all these characters even the small ones the the lapis the the live action role players um but the biggest takeaway from this particular scene is the fact that uh, missy who i think is the leader maybe not the leader of the lapis but missy She's the costume maker and she's made the costumes, which we'll probably see in the last episode. Not probably, we will see in the last episode. I've also seen the, the teaser and the photos for the last episode. Um, so, so that's a nice little nugget for our scene is, you know, showing us that the smaller characters are still getting some relevance in the entire show. And then we, we have this powerful moment with Clint and Natasha. This is showing the memorial, um, the memorial plaque that sits on the bridge, or it probably sits just below, on the bridge where they all do, <clears throat> they all gather as the Avengers for the first time in 2012. And there's that awesome revolving camera shot of all of them standing back to back on that bridge. Um, that's where the memorial plaque is. It'd be so amazing if they actually had that real memorial plaque. In, in real life in New York. Maybe someone should just write to the uh, New York Civic Center, whatever you call it, I don't know, New York government, whoever is important and in charge of that type of stuff. 
someone just like send them an email and say, hey, there's a great memorial plaque that you should probably put here to honor the Avengers of 2012. <laughs> yeah, I can be the one that do that. Yeah, I might do that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it's a very powerful moment. Um, the Clint and Natasha reflection moment where he stands there and he's ready he's ready to take on something but we don't know that until the end of this small scene but i love how we're always being reminded of the impact that natasha has on this not just this episode but you know the impact that she's she continues to have on the mcu we haven't seen much of that in the films but primarily in this show um natasha's just the greatest off-screen character ever <laughs> she's got so much impact she's got so much presence i just love how they're writing her into the story without even showing her um and the reflection that he goes through is reminding us of the last moments that they both had in vormir where um they're both hanging off the cliff and and he's holding on to Natasha's dear life, wanting to revolt, uh, reverse that whole thing of him sacrificing himself. And we also get that kind of motif of the Avengers Endgame theme music that happens in Vormir, which is also a, a, a um, um, the music that happens in Infinity War between Thanos and Gamora. So anyway, like I, I love how they bring that score back in, but it's not the exact score it's just like you know just like a bit of a motif of it and um we're reminded of of what natasha wants clint to do which is to live this life that you deserve with your family um promise me that you'll do that and then at the end of the scene he breaks that promise and he he's he apologizes for what he's about to do and you know given the title of the episode i know exactly what he's about to do he's going to become ronin and relive some of his ronin uh tropes and ronin characteristics which is practically just slaughtering people <laughs> and sure enough he does and we see that at the end of the um at the end of the episode um the, after this this uh great moment that we have for the memorial we have a conversation between um Clint and his wife Laura it is a great scene I love how Laura is still played into the episodes even though she's on a farm um at their their home farm I love how she's still playing a role and it's a, it seems to be a very strong and a prominent role and the biggest takeaway I got from the scene was just the fact that um it shows us the strength of their marriage it shows us the shows us the strength of uh the wife support for clint there's a lot of honesty there's a lot of transparency she knows about his his espionage life back during the blip she she knows it all and i love how the conversation is not about clint getting permission for laura but it's it's really about him showing the respect that he has for his marriage by telling her what she's going to do because laura says um, I know you didn't call me for permission, so you know, just do what you got to do. And it's it's a great moment, and and I want to see more of that in episode six or maybe a season two that they haven't announced. But I have a feeling there is going to be episode two because there's so much to get done. There's so much to um, 
there's so many stories to pay off in this series and i can't imagine they're gonna they're gonna do that in one episode episodes unless the last episode is like an hour and a half which i highly doubt um i i feel like there's gonna be an episode uh, season two it kind of has to be so that's a great moment between clint and laura and then we get into the final battle scene or the final fight scene this fight scene is it's great i mean like the choreography in this entire show has been awesome whoever they hired to be the action choreographer is a beast and they need to hire that person for future mcu movies actually not just for tv series yeah definitely for movies because um if you've been following the mcu so far you know that not all the hand-to-hand combat scenes are amazing or like the best hand-to-hand combat scenes we've ever seen maybe with the exception of winter soldier i think that was pretty amazing but i want to see more of this type of stuff like where it's highly acrobatic you, you believe that these these uh heroes and anti-heroes and villains are specialized like are masters of their own fighting craft um so a great fight scene between maya and and clint and man like clint gets a hand to him like he's <laughs> he's struggling but i think it's he's struggling primarily because he's he's older and he's out of shape he's not in the game anymore so he does get it handed to him a little bit but he does this like cool spin you know when she goes to do that kick does this cool spin throws her off and at the end of that fight between them two there's a big reveal here right and that big reveal is something i definitely wasn't expecting uh but then sort of if i cast my mind back to not cast my mind back but if i just piece together um clint's character even though he was ronin and he was like this dark deranged um traumatized anti-hero going around killing people um i have to you have to go back and think would would um clint do this out of like without any real uh, justification would he do this without any real moral justification if uh you know yeah let's say just out of moral justification would he really really do that um without any of that type of stuff right and um it's it's cut it's answered here when he says you know i was tipped off by an informant that works for your boss your boss wanted your father killed and that immediately told me okay so even though he was running he was willing to do the jobs but it was for a let's say a justifiable reason we don't know what that justifiable reason is you know we can only make inferences at this stage but um i guess the point is like there's always some kind of reason he's not just like cold-bloodedly killing people uh that he doesn't know or has, has any information so that's very much confirmed and that's a huge surprise um but then immediately when when, when he says that when he says that your boss was the one that wanted your father killed I was like, oh my gosh i thought kingpin because that's the kind of shit that kingpin like kingpin he will go against the people who are in circle if they if they close to the extreme to him and his circle right like it, it, like kingpin doesn't give a shit about who's loyal or who isn't loyal like i think he does care about loyalty um but if they go against uh if they you know if they're a threat to his inner circle and his ideals or 
ideology, then he's going to take them down. And he'll find a way to do that. If not, by his business. <laughs> so that's the first thing I thought. I was like, oh man, this is, this is like the last piece of evidence that we need for in order for us to say, yes, this is going to be Kingpin. The big guy that they've been rooting to this entire series, it's going to be Kingpin. Um, so yeah, that's a very powerful moment. And then Kate shows up to me and she does a crystal clear, accurate shot on fire to shoot the story. Then so Maya kind of saves the day and she doesn't have any involvement in terms of like, why do you think this? Um, I, I love how Clint says that. I hope we've got a great backup of um, how we escape from the situation. And so it's great. <laughs> Which is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. You know, Kate's the main of conducting a secret escape plan. Like, she's not capable of that. She doesn't have that experience. So, so it would have would have completely kind of ruined her, uh, the consistency of the character if they decided that she managed to conduct like a big uh, escape plan with helicopters coming in or whatever. So I think it's, it's awesome that it's an Uber driver that picks them up and it's like such a, such a great moment. And then from there, you know, they have this uh, small piece of dialogue between each other. She mentions that she had a chat with the Yelena and then he figures out, um, <clears throat> oh no, but she said, um, uh, I met the, the lady on the rooftop. She said she's Natasha's sister. And then Clint responds by saying, Yelena. So he clearly knows who Yelena is. He just has never really seen her because obviously he would recognize her if that's the case. Um, but he just knows the name. Which also tells me that he probably knows the name of all the other family members. all presumably sisters. Get into girls' apartment, they're having a little bit of a downtime now. And Kate gets a text message from Elena, and that text message reads, uh, I found out. This one is is um, Valentina De Fontaine. Um, uh, she's the most obvious one because you know she's she offered the job to her in the Black Widow, recent stick of Black Widow. So it's that's the most obvious one that hired her. But then now that we find out that it's Elena Bishop, I'm thinking that you know something's going on between. Valentina, Elena, and then we find out here in the scene that it's damn Kingpin. Um, that's uh, uh, a really crazy reveal. I mean, we all kind of saw this coming. You know, I, I also mentioned in the previous episode that it's kind of like it's going to be Kingpin posted this, and then we got to see that and a speculated screenshot, screenshot, speculated video. And so then I see a screenshot of the video um, of Kingpin standing next. Yeah, so so oh, we kind of there's something going on between Elena Bishop and, and uh, Valentina. She's got all sorts of like here, um, all sorts of possible scenarios. Um, 
But the fact that she finds out who has the title literally, um, I, I love how Elena says, I thought you could And then, um, I think it's like, I'm at a loss and the reaction on Kate's face was man, like she is like petrified, she is scared. Because the biggest reason why she's scared, oh man, it's like her reaction right now. The reason why she's super scared is because she's finding out that her mom is involved in this whole thing to do with That's the biggest thing. And then underneath that, Pretty sure that is the same kind of reaction that all the other fans would have had. And you know, if you're a fan of MCU, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, you would have behaved the exact same way. And actually, seeing this picture, it's a screenshot, not a screenshot, sorry, it's a video. So, um, but we obviously just see the thumbnail of that video, and that's Wilson Fisk, Vincent D'Ofrano. <laughs> what an insane reveal! You know, no matter how many of our theories and our, you know, speculative ideas become a reality, become true in the issue, no matter how many, it's always about how they represent it. I mean, not represent it's how they present it. So it's how they put together these scenes that become a reality on any of their movies. It's just, it's, it's such a moment. If you had a need, um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the end of um, episode five. <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy reveal. Some great nuggets in there and still more and more stories that are, that are unfolding and, and getting introduced. And it's there's all sorts of things. Like, I didn't realize that Kazi was going to have this kind of story. Um, is, 
I actually didn't even mention this in this whole video. Baby, I came at my head Personally, he's the informant. You may not share for all love that you already found. He don't explicitly say that he's the informant, but it's pretty damn. I do what I tell you every day. I see that he has been murdered. Everything I do for you is done in vain. Highly suspicious activity, and she clearly believes what Clint said to her when Clearly believes it because now she's trying to piece together some instances that happened the night of you were her never the one who wanted it different um, and then she starts to enjoy it and he said oh I wasn't invited and he's like he's the worst liar in this and I, I think it, he does a great performance in this by being a really good liar but while also being petrified that he's finding out the secrets so yeah, he's clearly the informant, um, and this is actually a very good setup for Echo herself, Maya. Um, it's a great setup for her becoming a anti-hero slash hero because um, she's getting her own TV series. I doubt the TV series is going to be about an antagonist. Instead, it's going to be about the protagonist, aka Echo. And I think this is a great setup and a great for her becoming the hero. Baby, I came out of my head about it. You've been such a shit for all of that you've already found. I do all the things I do and tell you every day. Starting off her. Everything I do for you is done in vain. So, yeah, there's a lot to still pay off. I hope they do do a great job. I'm pretty sure they will. this is this is the first time the very first time that we've ever had a crossover from the marvel series which is actually the netflix shows characters from that crossover into the marvel cinematic universe the very first time it is absolutely mind-blowing because um there's there's always been like if, if any of you guys have seen any of the Marvel series on Netflix? You know, Daredevil was the first, and then then there was like uh, Iron Fist, which I wasn't talking about. We've got Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and the Defenders, Agents of Shield. All these series, sorry, Agents of Shield is not even a Netflix show, but it's a part of this kind of Marvel television, quote unquote Marvel television. Um, 
These shows have acknowledged the MC defense. Uh, and they, they acknowledge that the battlefield happens. It exists. But the MC itself never ever acknowledged any other um, And a lot of people are a little bit confused why there is two years between shutting it down and handing it back to Marvel Entertainment or handing it back to Disney um, and then passing it off to Marvel Studios. It was like a two year break. And in fact, if you think about the pandemic, the time the show is finished and then the pandemic is that two years is almost made up due to the pandemic um, in order for them to integrate these Marvel and Netflix characters into the MCU. Um, so that's like one great positive thing that happened that it's given us time to really know that we need to do it. So it's crazy. So Wilson just played by Alvin Sky Opera, probably like one of the greatest films of the TV shows. He's incredible. I think everybody that watches the TV show will say that one of the best characters ever. When that happens, how that happens remains to be seen or whatever. Um, and so it's interesting that he said that in the week of the press conference, the press tour for Spider-Man No Way Home, um, which was a week before this episode five where we see Wilson Fisk. Um, oh, mind-blowing. There's so much to talk about when it comes to Wilson Fisk. Um, and there's so much to talk about uh, when it comes to what are the possibilities now? Like, what directions are they going to go in? What doors does it open for this underground uh, mafia world, this underground criminal world that Wilson just has been um, operating on top of? What has he been doing? How do you answer all these kind of, um, you know, 
how do you answer the fact that all these events have happened in New York up until now? What has worsened? And just a little bit of a reminder, and perhaps a bit of a spoiler for those who haven't seen Daredevil. <laughs> um, Wilson Fisk mentions that he's made the most of what had happened in the Battle of the Avengers 2012. How he's practically taken a lot of the elements, um, um, and, and you know, sort of the repercussions of um, Battle of New York, and he's used that to his advantage to. Uh, you know, live out his objectives for this crazy ideology to bring good back into this world, uh, back into this world, or especially for his, his own world, his kitchen. Um, so, you know, what direction do they go in um, by explaining what he's been up to since the battle of the world can where has he been all this time? Turn this into a theory cast But um, um, so so we should probably kind of wrap this up. Uh, this review. Um, let me just give you my quick thoughts on episode six, and I'll drop episode six probably the night that I watch episode six. So next Wednesday. Uh, my quick thoughts on episode six. I think we're definitely always going to see. How much we see this disc? I don't know. I think it's going to be very little because this is just going to be a springboard to wherever he's going to go. He's probably going to show up in the Echo series, or probably going to show up in Armor Wars, or maybe some of that. Maybe even show up in a movie. I don't know. Um, I've got so many thoughts, and I'm writing a whole bunch of these down for perhaps a future episode where we just discuss MCU stuff. I'm thinking of just creating like a series where I just discuss MCU stuff. Um, so we might see a little bit of him. Um, definitely going to be Simulator again. Uh, I want to see more of like what is Eleanor's hand in this whole thing. I want to see what her real involvement is and how they give us that position. I don't know. It's dialogue. It's it's like flashbacks maybe. I'm not sure. But I do want to see more of what her real involvement is and where does that lead to. Um, I do want them to tie up a lot of the loose ends, or tie up the, of the stories that were really revealed to us, like the mysterious watch, what's Laura's involvement here, um, Laura Barton. And do I want to see more emotional scenes? Yeah, maybe. I want to see, see something happen between Clint and Kate, you know, some kind of powerful emotional moments, but, but nothing kind of like dark emotion. <laughs> like, I don't want to see. I don't want to see anybody die, put it that way. I think it's a little bit too early just to kill off characters. Uh, I don't think any of the characters are at a point in their arc where we're ready to see them die because I think they'll be too unfinished. Um, yeah, I mean, those are the only things that I want to see in the next episode and what I'm hoping to see. Um, do I want to see Charlie Cox pop up? Yeah, maybe. I mean, if you're going to give us Wilson first, you can't just have to show us or at least hint to us or maybe show us a hand of Matt Murdock. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm happy if they don't, but then <laughs> uh, I'll take it, I'll take it if uh, they show us uh, Charlie Cox show up um, but yeah I mean that, that's all I really want to say to end off this review. Um like I said before 
dropping the Spider-Man No Way Home. It's going to be full-on spoilers. I won't be able to do a non-spoiler section, unfortunately. Usually I do non-spoiler sections at the beginning, like 10, 15 minutes. But there's way, way too much that happens in Spider-Man No Way Home. I, I, I just want to jump straight into it. And the boys, I'm, of course, are going to be keen to do that as well. Um, that's going to drop tomorrow night. We're recording it during the afternoon, but I'll quickly edit that and then get it out to you guys. So you guys, and you know, it would have given you guys a bit of breathing room between the time that it came out, which was yesterday. This is Australian time. Uh, it comes out on Friday uh, in the States, North America, I believe. Um, but yeah, give it a, give you, give yourselves a little bit of breathing room, digest and process what you experienced in Spider-Man No Way Home, and then come and have a listen to what we have to say. Cause we have a lot to say, and we're probably, we're going to go super nerdy on what's going to happen after that. And I'm going to shed some light on very, very key moments, at, um, in the film and how that's going to affect the MCU moving forward. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be tomorrow night. And um, yeah, thank you so much for dropping in on Legit Cool. Another episode of Legit Cool, reviewing and just talking nonstop about movies. Thank you so much. And I will see you in the next episode. Hey guys, if you want to hear some more MCU content, make sure you hit me up on Instagram at Legit Cool Podcast. Hit the follow and the notifications button on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I'm always dropping a new episode every week. And um, yeah, I'll see you guys again.